victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Mobia. The Socceroos approach a major international match without a fit, recognised striker, and the A-League returns to Gimmickry as a way of marketing itself. Plus a change, plus a rest. Here on the Oz Football Hour, I'm Josh Farish. I've got Jason Goldsmith here with me. Jason, how are you? Did you enjoy the weekend's games? There were some uh, pretty good games, Josh. I'm, I'm good, thank you. Great to be here again. And I think uh, we had a very fitting first versus second clash, uh, Western United hosting Melbourne City, which ended in a draw. That was probably the, the top one for the weekend and probably one of the better games for the season. Yeah, we've got heaps to talk about today. We've got uh, potentially a visit of Barcelona, uh, mm-hmm. however ill-timed that might be and uh, however many players uh, from the first team are actually available. Uh, we'll see. But uh, the A-League wants to bring back the All-Stars, according to Don Bossy in the Sydney Morning Herald. We're also going to talk about potential Socceroos bolters ahead of the Japan game with no Matt Leckie, no Jamie McLaren. No Adam Taggart, plenty no missing. Riley McGree, no a, Riley yeah, McGree either. Right. There's a, a laundry list of players who are going to miss out on that one, which makes our slim hopes of World Cup, World Cup qualification look even slimmer. But I think let's start with that game, Western United 2, Melbourne City 2. Uh, Western United taking a 2-0 lead thanks to Leo Lacroix and René Crehin, who, after not being involved for most of the season, is suddenly front and centre in Western United's plans. Uh, but Melbourne City managed to respond through Connor Metcalf just before the halftime break and then Jamie McLaren netting what proved to be the final goal, the equaliser, in the 65th minute. You were there, Jason. How did you see it? I wasn't actually there. I, I did watch the, the game. Um, oh, apologies. Yeah. You were actually at the MacArthur one. There were the one earlier, before that, that's yeah, right. The one but you were that. watching closely anyway. Uh, well, different J-Mac story, but we'll get to that at a different, <laughs> different stage. Um, fantastic. Um Decent crowd of supporters making a lot of noise and credit must be given to Western United. So I believe all Melbourne City members got a free ticket to attend as the away because the Melbourne Derby was was cancelled mm. for their um, victory being in the Asians Champions League. So uh, a crowd of 8,000 people, which doesn't sound like much, but when they're making noise and they're involved, it gave, it gave the game a tremendous atmosphere. Um, yeah, Western United jumped them, but then uh, Melbourne City came back and probably unlucky not to, to, not to win. They had a couple of uh, goal line clearances. I think Connor Metcalf hit the crossbar at one stage late in the game too. Um, for the Socceroos, probably good thing. Uh, Tilio in some form, as as is Connor Metcalf. Marco Tilio might need to cr- provide some creative spark for us mm. in, the, in the coming internationals. But, yeah, uh, a tremendous advertisement for first versus second in the A-League. It really was. Shame it wasn't the primetime game, but uh, we spoke about that last week. So five o'clock, um, yeah, great game of football. I don't think we're going to go on another rant about uh, TV scheduling, are we, this week? I think let's let's park that for now. We can we can, just one really quick one. Yeah, the, please. The five o'clock games aren't very good in the first half when you've got half the pitch in shade and half the mm. pitch in sunlight. But we know that for throughout the competition throughout the country, anyway. Yeah, not not ideal for for cameramen working in those. Uh, uh, camera operators, I should say, working That's in those it, conditions. Or, or the viewer as well. But, um, look, it made up for it in a, in a cracking second half end-to-end stuff. It really was fitting of first versus second. And they're, they're probably the standard in the, in the comp at the moment, these two. Is this the grand final preview? Because I, I flagged it on the green room last week that this might be our, our first look at uh, 
these teams and how they might shape up in a in a potential finals matchup. Yeah, I, I reckon it could possibly be. I think they've both got the measure of probably MacArthur or Adelaide United or Adelaide generally pinch wins at the mm. death or they have the done so. So um, I don't guess – and Victory got a few games to catch up as well. It could possibly do that. But I think at the moment these two are the front runners. They're, the, they're consistent and have been consistent all the way through the process. So I would think that it might be a grand final preview. Well, Melbourne City went with the lineup you probably expect – uh, but for Western United, Dylan Perea starting on one wing, Adisu Bayou on the other, and uh, and Lockie Wales as sort of the, the pressing machine 10. Uh, they were interchanging a little bit, but I, I was very entertained by the prospect of former Melbourne City player, you know, cast aside and Dylan Perea going up against Scott Jamison, a player he would have been competing with for, for first-team football back in the day. <laughs> they did had a nice little uh, – a couple of nice contests as well, which was always good to see because mm. we know Scott's uh, – not short of a word when he's, <laughs> when he's on the pitch. So, yeah, very good. Look, Western United really jumped them at the start. I really thought, like, those two early goals, the, the second one was on the counter, and then City kind of um, had most of the possession after that and just couldn't couldn't put away that winner. Mm. The shot count, 9 to 23 for City, 4 on target to 8, 61% of the ball for City, as you say. Yep. So in most of the, the basic metrics, they, they dominated this, this fixture – is this the first sign of, of Western United starting to, to come unstuck and starting to leak goals when they're in winning positions? Or was this just a different calibre of opposition they're up against this week? Different calibre. T- t- um, clearly the, the pace setters of the comp. But, I mean, they, they held on. They did okay. Because the J-Max equaliser was in the 65th minute, right? So they had plenty of time to do that. There was a couple of goal line clearances to get through. But they, they managed to hold on. Um, and, and, and protect and get to keep the points. So I don't think it's falling apart for them. Um, I've probably uncharted mm. territory for them to be 2-0 up instead of 1-0 up and, and holding on. So it, it's it's going to be fine. I mean, City are on top of the ladder, but they've got two games on Western United. They're, the same, they're on the, the same points total of 33. So United have got opportunity. A couple of big games coming up for them. They've got Sydney and then they've got uh, Melbourne Victory. So they've got a couple of big games which will sort them out. We'll see if they really are a contender. Well, we're going to troubleshoot a few technical issues here in the studio. If you're watching on the live stream, we'll have Vision back with you shortly. We're going to go to a quick break. And on the other side, we've got A-League All-Stars and Socceroos to discuss. So don't go anywhere. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Well, not sure we expected the uh, A-League All-Stars to ever be resurrected. Uh, thought they were consigned to the dustbin of history and a few cut-price jerseys at Rebel Sport. But back they come, according to Don Bossy in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, several A-League sources saying that talks are advanced and five-time European champions Barcelona have agreed in principle to play the A-League All-Stars at the 83,000 capacity Accor Stadium in Sydney Olympic Park at the end of the European season. We've seen this back in the day. It was uh, heavily marketed by Fox Sports, but the uh, the concept never really caught on. Uh, Jason, do you think it has any chance of, of becoming a, a tradition again? I don't think so. Um, look, 
a couple of things. First of all, I, I think- mean, it might well become a tradition. I should say. Do you think it has a chance of becoming a, a popular medium? I think what we've found in Australia is the theatre goer will attend football games that have great names, um, great players and great jerseys. We've mm. seen that in the past that this is probably a cash cow for the A-League that they need to earn some money. Crowds have been down the rest of it. That's what will happen. They'll, they will sell seventy to 80,000 tickets to this and they will make some money on the gate mm. and that will help their coffers a little bit, I'm sure. We've seen that before but maybe they're – they're trying to control it because you know. Remember, we had Real Madrid and, and Man City with over ninety-eight five thousand people at the MCG, mm-hmm. but you know the crowd were concentrating on paper planes rather than what was happening on the pitch. We've had over forty thousand people turn up to Sydney to watch Liverpool legends play. So, like the theatre goers and the and the and the jerseys there. So Barcelona, you will see a lot of Barcelona tops and hats and whatever around. And they just they're cashing in clearly. Yeah, I. I- don't have a problem necessarily with using this as a money spinner when individual A-League clubs are involved. Mm-hmm. But I think given that it's billed as an all-star game and we know that football is not really a contest where you can put the best 11 players in the league on the park and just expect them to play well together in a given like a week's lead-up preparation time. Yep. So when... Barcelona's B or C team inevitably smash the A-League All-Stars for four or five goals. Yeah. Doesn't that end up devaluing the concept of the league and the standard of the league in the eyes of that theatre-going audience who might attend? Yeah, I completely agree with that because, yeah, I, I guess the, the A-League concept allows you to put your best internationals that play in the in the domestic comp together in the same, same side. But I agree, you look at it, you know, when, when Liverpool played Melbourne Victory, you have that crowd, you got Melbourne Victory. And then we've got um, Celtic Rangers or Wanderers mm. and Sydney FC set up as well. So people are going to go to support their club. No, none of us are going to wear an A-League all-star jersey and go wave flags and, and start chanting and cheering for, for those guys. Um, so, yes, but who plays? Who do they get to play Barcelona? Do they get Sydney FC? Do they get the Wanderers? They do, do that sort of concept. I went to the Leeds Wanderers game uh, when they opened the Parramatta Stadium uh, a few years back as well. Great concept, um, you know, all the supporters are out there. Again, most of them are theatre goers, but the Wanderers were there because it was, you know, safe standing in the debut of the stadium. It was a bit of an event, so worthwhile. I'm not sure the all-star concept has too many legs. I don't know if you can remember. What was the result last time they played? Well, they got batted by Juventus, if I remember correctly. There might have been one after that, but I probably didn't did watch. Did Del Piero played for the All-Stars or did he yeah. do half and half? <laughs> I, know, I can't I can't. remember. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't ring a bell, to be honest. But uh, I remember Bessart Barisha looking very determined to score a goal and <laughs> almost getting himself sent off. Yeah, and 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 from memory, they they had a star on the jersey as well or something. It wasn't wasn't that flash to to look at? It, it was a pretty low rent blue and yellow kit that. Uh, yeah, it it looked cheap, and I think it cheapens the league. Uh, you know, I know other leagues do it. MLS. Maybe 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 Bessart has that framed and mounted at mm. home on the wall. Maybe that was his highlight playing against Juventus. We don't <laughs> know. Maybe he has. But yeah, I agree. It's it, look. I have no I have no problem as a money spinner for for and for the theatre goers to go. But an all star concept in the hope of getting rusted on fans that then become A League fans, then they're probably better off with playing against the club. 
I mean, in some ways, it's good fodder for people like us who you know, like to natter about who the best players in the league are, because mm-hmm. suddenly it gives your team of the season an extra weight if you're actually going to see these players play together. So it's it fills column inches, it fills podcasts with debating no, over who does, should get does. selected. Yeah, it does. But I mean, and then you're going to get the players who do they do they really want to play against Barcelona? Like, is it you know is it worthwhile for them on their CV? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're of their childhood Barca fans, that they may want to do so. But you know, you get a bit of self preservation too if you're between contracts or you're going to have a breakout season or you're on big money at your mm. club, what's what's the benefit, you know? Well, I mean, maybe it's a negotiating tactic for the agent saying, my player's an all-star, you've got to give him a raise next season. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, let's see if you can play Champion League football or they finish top in the, you know, I would, in the awards, the coaches' awards and stuff. I would much rather see cohesive individual club sides with actual fans mm. and not just a league, a wide concept play against these big teams. So big would you would you go watch then so Celtic are playing Sydney FC and, and then Rangers against the mm. Wanderers? Yeah. I look honestly I, I would be more compelled to watch that than to watch this A League All Stars game. Yeah. Because I just know that they're not gonna play well together if they haven't played together before. And the last one the last one from memory the concept was it was basically a Foxtel All Stars team and it was mm-hmm. mainly for T V, right? Yeah. So Paramount aren't pushing this or Channel Ten aren't pushing this, do you think? Well, Is it gonna be on Channel Ten? That's the thing. If Channel Ten are pushing it, maybe that's the the reason that they've come up with this concept. Perhaps. So the article that, doesn't yeah. go into any detail as to whose idea or whose brainchild it is. Maybe Dom can update the article and also update his headshot now with his long long <laughs> hair as well. <laughs> Our first sighting of Dom Bossy in quite a while on uh, on Stansford FC the other day. Uh, it looks a lot different to those uh, those I, old I, headshot photos. Yeah, I thought some um, Evan on Twitter had actually made the long <laughs> hair um, meme for him, but it wasn't the case anyway. There you go. Um, I, I, I do think you're in danger of further devaluing the league to supporters you haven't really engaged with it before. Because, I mean, if they play really well, they outplay Barcelona, maybe, you know, that's the risk you're taking. But if a, you know, quote-unquote Euro snob goes to the yep. game and thinks, you know, the A-League's crap, but I want to watch Barcelona and then they see them put five or six inevitably past this haphazardly assembled team, which may or may not have teams from the very best A-League clubs because it could clash with the final series, uh, which is unfortunate timing. I think it also might take attention away from the finals. Does that that then make that fan think, well, if the best 11 players in the A-League can't even hope to compete, what about like... You know, the individual club teams must be even worse, which is not the way football works, of course, but that's the way that it would appear to a casual observer. And that, that's why I don't like this concept because I don't think it does our league justice. No, it doesn't. And it's, 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 it's similar to, well, right in my wheelhouse, it's similar to the guest players or the marquee mm. players that we get to the league where you get the instant sugar hit of, you know, fans turning up but they don't become rusted on fans so much. It's hard to actually measure and mm. do. Will these people coming to watch Barcelona go because it's Barcelona? They're not going to go because it's the A-League All-Stars. And is the concept then supposed to go, right, well, um, he was a good player. We might go watch him again. Who does he play for? Oh, we don't We don't know because he's playing for the All-Stars, you know. So, again, probably the, 
the I know it's got uh, it's copying a little bit of grief, but the Celtic Rangers versus Australian clubs approach Leeds versus Wanderers, um, you know, victory versus Liverpool at the Liverpool, MCG is right? the best example of this. They're, actually, they're the examples where they can work right. So, and then you actually have fans of the other team turning up. No one's going to buy an A League All Stars jersey and go on to cheer the A League All Stars with the big foam. What about a half and half scarf, Josh? <laughs> you can get half Barcelona and the half A League All Stars. That's the kind of merchandise that will be worth something in 20 years when everyone's forgotten that it ever existed. And it won't be official either. It'll be some mm. English backpacker behind yep. a car that'll jump up and try and sell it to you. So, yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to that cropping up on, <laughs> on the eBay of the future. Excellent. I might have to look into get, getting one of those, but we'll have to make our way to Sydney, I guess. The end Maybe of the year. we should try and track down one of those old A-League All-Stars tops for the studio here that for the week. Yeah, put we can deck us. out. We can deck this place out in blue and yellow or whatever colour scheme they make choose. It, make, the Festival we, of Football ma- or whatever they're going to call it, we can, we can jump on board. I want to see an A-League All-Star Ultra group. <laughs> you know, a, a firm. A firm. You know, so you got the old firm. You got yep. the Celtic and Rangers fans who will no doubt be you know brawling in the streets in the lead up to this game if you if you read the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> um, so I want to see the A League All Stars come together, come up with some chants, be a real like edgy, active supporter group. Safe smoke. We need to yeah, do it yeah, do it properly. Yeah. Oh, just flares. You yeah, know. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it properly. The old school. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Uh, I, I think that would be great, but you know, it's not going to happen because people don't get excited about these these one off uh, gimmicks. They don't, but we get crowds to them, so that we get crowds to them. I, I long ago swore off ever paying money again for an exhibition for an exhibition game involving two non Australian teams. Which one they did you go to? <laughs> what scarred me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Uh, what have I been to in the past? I, I think there was a, a Roma game. Yeah, MCG. Yeah, that was terrible. Roma, um, uh, Atletico Madrid playing Tottenham, maybe the yep. MCG. Oh, they tried that Champions League format. That might have been Roma, I think. Roma and Man City and um, I mean, I've gone Real to Madrid. some of the ones yep. involving the actual Melbourne teams, you know, victory playing against Juventus a couple yep. of times or, right. yep. uh, or LA Galaxy back in the day when Beckham came and nearly scored from the halfway line. That was good fun. And for some reason, it was a draw and they just decided to have a penalty shootout for no reason. Didn't, didn't Juventus play in Geelong too? Mm, yeah, they did. Victory? yeah, they did. They so did. Or yeah. Atletico Madrid played in Geelong, I think. Okay. I think Juventus played in the MCG. I'm not sure if they... So, so the concept can work, but they've been... Cl- Club sides have been touring this country since since forever, right? Mm. Since the fifties and sixties. I mean, we used to have national team games against them. Absolutely, that's what that we would play the Minnows, and then we would play Blackpool, Manchester United, etc. All the rest of it. So yeah, the game that Simon Colosimo did his knee was never the same player. That Correct. was that was against that was Manchester United. United. That was, yeah, and it was Correct. I think right. it was was it Andy Cole he went through? Yeah, it was. Yep. Mm. Never, never forgiven in Australian football circles. Andy Cole. No, no it shouldn't be welcomed back in the country. <laughs> no, yeah, well. Correct, and if you read Dwight York's book as well, that's um yeah he enjoyed Australia in that tour, which probably led to him coming for CDFC afterwards. So, yeah, the the concept works in terms of crowd numbers and in, in publications. And like the funny thing is, they said you know, even when it comes to the end of this season, there'll be a picture in Melbourne of, of Ange Postecoglou holding a Sharon Australian football as well, even though he's from Melbourne. So. It, it works in terms of the publicity from that side of mm. side of things and the money in the gate, but what it does for our game is is yet to be really worked out. What, what do we get from it? I think what hasn't done uh, had much exposure here in, in terms of the coverage of the Celtic Rangers thing is it's actually getting a lot of blowback among Scottish football fans yep. and media that they're staging one of these sort of sacred games outside of Scotland for the first time as a money spinner. Yep, and uh, I, honestly, I, I think. 
that can devalue their product as well by by touring it around for for dosh i mean you think of how the brazilian national team has been turned into a nike advertising vehicle and yep. playing um, cash grab games in the middle east all the time yep I don't think players feel the same way about joining the Brazil shirt anymore. I think it has genuinely been been devalued by that. And I I think sometimes these these cheap gimmicks can can have a longer term cost. It would be better if if they're not playing each other. I I agree mm. with that completely because if it, bringing Celtic here makes absolute sense. Yeah, of course it does. And then because we want to see it, there's a big strand connection with it. Not just Ange, but we've had Viduka and McDonald and and all these guys as well that they want to actually watch these clubs. But if you're they're pre-season tours for these European clubs. They're not going to come straight out and play their best 11 and all the rest of it. They're going to develop kids. They'll have stars mm. to play 20 minutes here and there. You're not going to see everything. You are just literally going a theatre going. You're paying, you're paying to watch the, watch the jersey run around. Well, enough about friendlies. We're going to go to a quick break and talk about the real stuff, international football. Uh, Japan faced the Socceroos very soon. And there are dwindling options from which Graham Arnold can select attackers in particular. So we're going to talk about who might fill those gaps, who are the bolters. That's coming up after the break here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Bobbia. Well, if anyone has got married in the last couple of years, you know how difficult it is to uh, to nail down a date with COVID, with just the general backlog of, of weddings and so forth. It's pretty difficult to, to get one set in stone and after postponing it twice due to his football commitments, Jamie McLaren had just decided, or maybe his partner has, no longer, I'm not playing for the Socceroos against Japan. I'm getting married. No, no, Japan game is available. Oh, it's Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Arabia game. My, so, my yeah. apologies. Saudi Arabia, again, may not even be relevant uh, if the result against Japan is no good. Uh, but no Adam Taggart again for the Socceroos, still injured. It's it's not looking good in terms of our striking options. I mean, it, it's rarely looked good in the last few years, but it, particularly now going into this important game, we're going to have a lot of players miss out. We are. It's um, J-Mac's in form too. Like he's, he's 12, 12 goals, doing quite well. Actually, um, on the Wednesday game last week when Melbourne City played MacArthur, I'll quickly just tell this little story that I promised my kids a hot dog if he scored in the first half. And he duly scored, but it was a deflection. And I was arguing that it was a known goal. The ground announcer said it was a J-Mac goal. Um, so I bought the hot dogs and then checked the results. The next day it was an own goal. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's available. He's the only one in form that's available. Uh, Matthew Leckie was in great form and is injured. Riley McGree's also injured. So you've got some of these creative midfield types that are going to score. Taggart's injured. Um, so we send out an SOS to Nikita Rukovitsa, who we, we spoke about mm. last week, in form. Scoring goals constantly. He doesn't meet the vaccination requirements to, to play for either in Australia or Saudi Arabia. Uh, to be honest, uh, I was just trying to think of a, of a pun based on your on your story, and I think I've, I've come up with the perfect what one do you here. Got? It's a false snag operation. Uh, okay. Ooh, we can work with that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Rooker, not available because he's only had one dose. Yeah, and he's had Curious. COVID. He's had COVID before, no. so he missed some football with COVID. And so he's not an anti-vaxxer. Let's just put that on the table. He's mm-hmm. not. Uh, he's not one of those 
um, people. He's had one shot, but he hasn't had two. Couldn't you, have, couldn't you have a shot now and then still make it in time or not? I guess it takes a couple of weeks to be effective. It's weird. Really? But you get your certificate straight away, don't you? Yeah, that's true. So if he's got to just show his green tick, he it's, could be on the plane. He totally could still bizarre. make it in 10 days' time. So, Or mm. clearly he's just angry saying, you don't want to pick me when I'm in form. You don't want to pick me because there's injuries. Who knows? Maybe. But he would be one that we would, we would look at. We can't look at him. Um, Honestly, uh, for Rooker at the moment, I mean, I, I can't imagine what the emotions are like now because he's obviously got that family connection to Ukraine. So, I mean, he might, may true, not even yeah. be in the best headspace to, to compete anyway. Ukraine-born. That's a very, um, very good point there, Josh. He actually played for his, his boyhood club in Perth is uh, Inglewood United, which were Inglewood-Kiev. They're yeah, they're playing yellow, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in terms of who's in form and scoring goals and, you know, Craig Craig Goodwin is probably he's our guy that's in form. He is. True. He um the two goals that put him up top though. Who else are we going to put up there? Who are we going to put up there? I don't know. Robbie Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) Last from the past. So I did mention to you off air that when the Ollie Ruse needed a goal against Egypt, we threw um Harry Sutar forward and um Jay Rich Bagley. So maybe we put Trent Sainsbury up the top. Kick some long balls towards towards him. Who's our biggest, burliest centre back that we have available? I mean, obviously Sutar's got the ACL injury. That's a good question. We mm. might have to. Who's the tallest player of the A League to find <laughs> someone to turn into a striker? Quick, smart. Maybe we could uh, call up George Timotheo or something. He's pretty big. Nikolai Topper Stanley or Tommy Merchella. No, Tommy Tom, Merchella. Yeah, He's got the height. Topper Stanley's got that bull celebration when mm. he scored that cracker as well, so that might be worth worthwhile <laughs> getting too, getting on the back page. It's no in, in all in all seriousness, we're we're in trouble in terms of who we're going to put up front. Like um, Mobile's fit and back, so he'll be on on one side. Mm-hmm. Goodwin will be on the other. Who we look at? Do we look to a starting cap to Denny Urich? Do we look at Nick D'Agostino? Honestly, I'm I'm thinking about it now, and it sounds crazy, but Craig Goodwin up top, he's a great finisher. Uh, yeah, if he gets the yeah. chance. He you is. know, his, his left foot is, is the best in the league, so... His two assists on, on Sunday's game for the Reds against the Jets were, were, mm. top, were top class, both of them, set it up. So he sets them up as well as scores them himself, whereas where we talked about Taggart and J-Mac, they're going to they're gonna score more goals than they are set up. With mm. Goodwin can do a bit of both. The problem I've always had with Goodwin is he's a winger who doesn't dribble. Mm. Uh, he's good off the ball. Uh, he's great when he gets it in a crossing position because his delivery is so good. I've always wondered whether he'd give it another crack at left back as a really attacking left back because he used to play there back in the day. But, uh, yeah, he's, he doesn't really penetrate the defense with his dribbling. He's not a player who takes people on very often. And I think in Graham Arnold's system where the collective isn't necessarily generating a great deal, sometimes you need, do need a little bit of individualism, which maybe someone like Marco Tilio provides more of. I think Marco is going to get a lot of minutes against Japan. Mm. Because he's that creative spark. We've seen that where he can do that. We've seen that in the A-League briefly with the, the Oli Roos with his goal against um, Argentina and, and that kind of thing off the bench. He's the impact stuff. But impact's fine. We're going to need someone at the start. So do we throw a cap to recently naturalised Bruno Fornaroli? <laughs> Is he eligible? He's Australian now. He well, hasn't played for Uruguay uh, in the senior team. 
Because I, I remember there there were some things about uh, junior. I, this was back with the Adama Traore yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 he yeah. played junior football for Ivory Coast, Coast yep. and the rules were that if he didn't have dual citizenship at the time, that yep. was binding. I don't know whether that's still the case or whether it's retrospective or. Did Bruno played mm. underage football for Uruguay. I, I, I don't think he, he might has. have. All didn't right. they? Didn't they? Speaking of getting, I wasn't ahead. prepared for this. No, I wasn't right. assuming <laughs> you were going to bring him up. I was going to left field. Uh, we talked about Ange Postacoglu with a Sharon in the photo. I am positive. Didn't they show a picture of Bruno Fornaroli in a Socceroos shirt in one of the Melbourne papers when he was at Melbourne City? Mm. I'm pretty sure they did that as well. Another one of those oh, 100%. wonderful gibbies. Fred did it as well back in the start of the A-League, if you recall. They had Fred in an Australian shirt. Anyway, I should be working in marketing. For anyway, <laughs> um, uh, He played under-17s for Uruguay and scored in a South American championship against Venezuela. So I don't know where that lands him on the eligibility, but I would be 100% in favour of that. I love Bruno Fornaroli. He's a great hold-up player. Uh, you know, we don't really have a striker like him in uh, when we've got a full complement. I mean, the, maybe Taggart's the closest, but... Mate, actually, you know what? You know what I've been thought of because he's a bit of um, out of mind, out of sight. Martin Boyle will probably play up front. That is a good shout. Because, um, I mean, you say that, but I'm, it's 100% going to be Mitch Duke starting. <laughs> It will be Mitch Duke because he's our, our striker that's going to work. I would like Bruno Fornaroli to sing the national anthem like they made Martin Boyle and Harry Sutar do as well for us. But um, different, yeah. Australians all let us vamos. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get the ending right, I'm sure, yeah. if they won. You know what? Mitch Duke will probably start and then um, long balls to his head kind mm. of deal. And then when that doesn't work, they'll look off the bench for a bit of a spark, which will be Tilio um, Mobile if he doesn't start. Martin Boyle. Um, it could be. It could end up being Boyle with m- potentially Goodwin and uh, Mobile on the flanks. Yeah. It, well, given given how Arnie has picked the team in this campaign and given the form and what we've got, Mobile and, and Goodwin have to start. It's, he's, up, he's in the middle. He's probably Mitch Duke. You're right. There's one guy we haven't mentioned as a potential maybe impact bench player. Your man, Nick? Yes. <laughs> I, look, I've I haven't been a believer. I'll, yep. I'll I'll admit that now. I have been a Nick D'Agostino skeptic for yes. many many years, uh, and he continues to score goals in the A League and prove me wrong. I would say ninety percent of his goals come off glaring opposition mistakes. Yes, such as the goal against Central Coast, where uh, where our mate Dan Hall slipped over and. Uh, yeah, it didn't look too pretty for him. It did, did in that game. So the Mariners bought the sauce and D'Agostino bought the spice. Is that mm, right? Yep. Is that what he did? Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> Sorry. Straight gag. He's, in, he's been in the setup before. Arnie's had him with the Oli Roos, right? He, he got them to the Olympics. He knows what he's getting with him. I would not be surprised if it happened. I don't think he's ready for it. We both don't think he's ready for it. But what other options are we looking at here? I mean, Daggers, if you do pick him, will run and press with enormous intensity and will throw himself into challenges and will throw himself at every ball. But isn't that what you're sort of already getting with Mitch Duke? And J-Mac. It's what we normally get at the Mm. front. So there's not much difference There's a lot of of great effort and not a lot of combination play. No, there's not. And that's that's where it all falls down for me with with D'Agostino's national team case is that whatever his goal-scoring form, however much he might deserve it based on the numbers alone, I just don't think in terms of attributes he he gives us anything different to what we've already got. And given Arnold's track record for preferring experience, 
even if he, he does have a good relationship with Daggers from the Oli Roos days and he did come up with big for, you know, the goal that qualified for, them yeah. for the Olympics, for example, I just I just don't think he's going to be trusted to play significant minutes in the two biggest games of Arnold's career. So he goes with Duke because that's what he's done before. When, when Duke inevitably gets subbed off 60, 70 It'll minutes. It'll probably be for J-Mac in the Japan game and okay. obviously yep. Saudi, we might see we might see someone like Daggers or... Yeah, or we might have to. Well, we, shifting we'll, boil up front. We'll see how Dagestina goes tonight, I guess, in uh, in Japan. We were we were trying to cast the net far and wide pre-show, mm. trying to come up with a few names. Denny Urich is one that you, that you floated. Is he playing? He's he's played 10, 11 games for uh, for Dinamo, not yep. full ninety minutes. He's been subbed off five times and come off the bench five times out of those eleven appearances. But that is a high level. I don't know how it translates or whether he's really in the frame because Australia haven't shown much interest in calling him up in the past. I think he's only in the frame because we've got a um, we've got this uh, fixation with dual nationality opportunities mm. that we talk about it on this show every week. And then there's talk about Denny playing for Croatia and then playing for Australia because he could play for either. It's quite correct? literal FOMO, isn't it? It is. It is because I think we've because we've been burnt a few times that we want to talk about it all the time. And so Denny is someone that's playing in a, in a good standard. He's playing in Europe, which is what we want. He's not getting the minutes to, to warrant a call-up and he's not scoring the goals to warrant a call-up, but we would talk about him because, you know, he could play for Croatia, you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, the other one, Liam Chipperfield scored a goal just on the weekend, so he's, he's eligible. Yeah? yeah, well, that was his first goal ever for FC Basel, but judging on what we've heard from him or about him, you know, he's born and raised in Switzerland. He's Swiss, he's Swiss. I don't think he has really any interest in playing for Australia. His dad's a Swiss legend, a Swiss club legend, yeah. despite being Australian, right? So hes I don't think it'll happen unless it gets to the stage where he can't play for Switzerland and there might be opportunity from, from our point of view. I would think D'Agostino would be in the next round for the next mm. World Cup. He would have to be in the frame when we start to rejuvenate and look at and and – in terms of who's in form in the A-League, Angus Thurgate's probably someone that should be possibly be in the squad. Sure. Yes, that's a good that's a good shout. I think uh, there are a few midfielders in the queue ahead of him, such mm. as John Rowe. Yeah, uh, Danny should be in the squad. We've talked about that. Just with Thurgate, though, he scored five goals. I watched him closely mm. on Sunday, and then I had to, um, with all due respect to, to Angus, I had to look up how old he is. He's only 22. Um, so... There's, there will be opportunity mm. there, but he's he's in some form if they they pick the squad. Do you know when the squad's coming out? I've been I've been keeping an it eye out. Should be later this week. So uh, as far as I'm aware, so we're about ten days out from mm. the, the first game, so it would have to be close for everyone to. Oh, they often come out on a Thursday, so I'm expecting it Thursday. But you know, that's not based on any particular inside info. Any other bolters, Josh? You can think of. Well, I mean, speaking of dual nationality players, it does make you miss Lyndon Dykes a touch. When you think about what he's doing in Europe, he's probably a, another sort of upgrade on on a Mitch Duke type target yeah, man. Yeah, he is. He's that. He's the big target guy. Hold up the ball, dish it off, um, and you know maybe burgle a goal every sort of three or four games. Yeah. Um, it does. It does make you slightly wonder what what he could have done for the Socceroos as a kind of straight up wrecking ball. Yeah, and and. I, uh, I wrote a piece on him a, a while back. Effectively what had happened, he hadn't been capped for Australia or Scotland and there were qualifiers like two days apart mm. from each other uh, and this was the start of 2020. So then when um, when the pandemic hit, the, all of the Australian qualifiers were pushed way back. 
but the Euros were coming up, so the European ones still came through. So, you know, if you've got national team aspirations and the first one that comes knocking generally gets the, gets the answer, but he would be ideal at the moment. He'd be perfect up front. He always said whenever he was asked about it that he would just play for the first national team that called him up, and he was true to his word. Yep. So, you know, can't really complain on that front. He was pretty, pretty honest about... Yep. Correct. About He just wanted to play international football and he didn't mind which country. We're about to lose a, another one. I don't know if you're aware of uh, Ramat Akbari's call-up to the Afghanistan national team. Okay, He'll no, play a friendly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's... I think he is actually a loss. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe he flies under the radar a little bit playing for a pretty poor Brisbane Raw team this season. But... I, I do I do think we're missing out on a on a player there that has a little bit of technical quality that not a lot of A League midfielders have at their disposal. And I think he can be used more effectively at club level as well. So I think we probably should have been a bit quicker on Akbari and he should have been involved in more Australian youth national teams. But you know, I think this is going to happen more and more. And I think because the next World Cup is 40, 48 teams, that the actual opportunities mm. to qualify are there. Like you normally would say Afghanistan, yeah, no chance. But there's eight spots for Asian countries to go into the 2026 mm. World Cup. So you actually are a chance no matter who you actually represent now. So every every continent's getting extra nations through. So it's going to happen. Well, you spoke about bolters. I don't know if they necessarily bolters so much as players that I'd really like to see. <laughs> Um, and these are all Josh's favourites coming up. Yep, yeah, uh, here we go. I mean, I've already <laughs> talked about Akbari, yeah. so the the yeah, the bias is, is clear. But uh, I, I do think Max Burgess has played really well when he's been given the opportunity this mm-hmm. season. Uh, he's a really intelligent, creative player who loves to receive the ball in between the lines. We don't have too many of those. No, we do so not. Yep. I would love to see him involved. Clearly, and I don't think they're even bolters at this point. They should be just nailed on. You know, you don't need a bolt. You need a nail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's for... Uh, Danny Jonro, who I mentioned yes, earlier, yep. and Cammy Devlin, yep. just based on how consistent he's been since he moved to Hearts. Now, quickly, he's he's cemented a first team. Devlin place. doesn't have a cap though, does he? He hasn't played for us yet. No. So again, hasn't been called up. No, which is which astonishing, is, really. It is astonishing, unless they last the last round when Atkinson missed the call up when he moved to Hearts as well. That they should be in the squad mm. at least at some stage. But yes, I agree with you on both. Those. I mean, John Rowe and Devlin, if they'd been blooded early, might even be my starting preferred midfield pair, let alone squad members. <laughs> because I think we've been lacking in that department specifically. I think we're a bit fo- focused on the the striker shortfall. And when even if we do had do have good forwards in the team, we wouldn't necessarily generate the chances to yep. to serve them. Well, Connor Metcalf's been in really good form too. Um, True. Um, so that that helps, and he moving to Germany is going to help as well. But yeah, it's it's getting thinner and, and thinner, mm. isn't it? If you chuck a few injuries up the up the front, and you just kind of go, what getting, do we do from here? Yeah, it's getting pretty thin. Um, but, uh, you know, Liam Chipperfield, I, I think, was always a pipe dream. Um, you know, maybe it would have been nice to, to have him in the side because his dad can double as the bus driver. But <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the famous Wollongong champion <laughs> that he is. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So Liam Chipperfield now scoring, so he'll, be, he'll get all the headlines instead of Volpato now. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll shift see. our focus to the next dual shift, national and then that we'll we're about see to miss out who on. the next one is. There'll be, I'm sure the golden generation and those that are still sort of based through throughout Europe or have um, uh, partners from other countries. There'll be some others come through. I know Lucas Neal's got kids in academies and that kind of stuff. So we'll watch this space. We'll be talking about it for a long time. Yes. Well, uh, we're going to go to a quick break because we've been talking for a long time. And mm. uh, on the other side, we've got more A-League games to break down. So stick around. 
Melbourne victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! A few more A-League games to hit before we go. Make sure you stick around for Radio Dub on the other side. We uh, we haven't ignored the A-League women, of course. We just have a dedicated show for it. So if you're not a listener to Radio Dub, that's at 7pm every Tuesday. Coming up straight after this, myself and Pakua Frimpong. We've got both sides of the upcoming Melbourne Derby represented. Alex Chidiak is going to be in studio. We're also going to be talking to Caitlin Torpy of Melbourne City. So that's going to be great fun. Make sure you stick around for that. A couple of blockbuster games last weekend and one big one coming up on uh, the weekend. So let's uh, let's talk about Perth Glory, Neil, Sydney FC 2. Costa Barbarousas and Patrick Yazbek scoring the goals for Sydney FC. I don't think it was a surprise result, but I do want to talk about just how or Perth Glory were in this game, given that we were forgiving them for most of the season for their failings because of the horrible schedule and all of the away games that they had to play. They weren't allowed to go home. It's been covered in in depth. But since they've been back to HBF Park, the the performances have not improved whatsoever. And, And now I do think some spotlight should be shone on both the recruitment and the coaching of that team, Sturridge or no Sturridge? Yeah, Garcia's under the pump for sure. I mean, we said we've given him a lot of leeway leading up to it because of what's happened. Um, they lost Aaron Calver today as well. He's signed with a Korean club, I believe. Mm. So, um, yeah, so they haven't had a really good run at it, but I don't think they have the right tactics formation, etc., to come through. They play the Mariners tonight, so they're going to another sort of home game, gets gets rushed through for them as well. And how are they going to have to bounce back from a loss to, to do so? So, yeah, they, they struggle town, Perth, Glory. Yes, you're right. I missed that one. Aaron Calver signing with a club in the K-League uh, with the Glory getting a transfer fee for that um, at least. But uh, I think that's the another member of the uh, the Sasha Ognanovsky tax with Korean clubs trying to replicate the uh, the big burly Australian <laughs> central player defender. Of the year. <laughs> Using your Preston bias there, there's good, Josh. Um, um. <laughs> Actually, I did suggest to Sash once that he should get a commission for every big burly strapping Aussie centre back he signs in Korea, and he said, "Well, that's that'd be nice because the wages now are way bigger than, <laughs> than I was what there. he had before." <laughs> yeah, and transfer fees. There we go. That's what we want, right? So we're getting some transfer fees now, which is which is good. So. Yeah, so that, that that stretches them pretty thin at the back. Uh, they they played Josh Rawlins there on weekend. He's not at all a central defender. Um, I, I maybe he will grow into that, but that's certainly not the position that he's he's taken up uh, in his A League career to date. And now Brandon O'Neill out for the rest of the season, so it's getting pretty rough for for, for Perth. And he was the feel good story too. You know, the the new skipper returning home, um, having a baby, all that kind of stuff. The family club, they're all travelling around together. I guess Brad Jones coming back and playing on the weekend is a is a possible mm. good news story for them. Um, again, another Perth Perth boy done good. So um, hopefully he can string some some games together, but he's not going to be the future for the glory either at his age, um, mm. you know. So it's tough. And then you've got you know Bruno Fornaroli trying to carry it all himself, Andy Keogh, and that they don't look like getting much from anywhere else. 
Yeah, I mean, Andy Keogh did score that hat-trick on his birthday last season, but I think those were the only goals he scored all year. When's his so. birthday? They got a game, have they got a game on? You got a fixture? Uh, yeah. I, I, I called that doing a Peter Siddle but, uh, at <laughs> nice. the time. Uh, but, but this this side... I share a birthday with Peter Siddle, oh, actually. There you go. So there you go. He scored a hat-trick on my birthday. Oh, that was so a nice birthday present yeah. for you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but this this team still playing 4-2-4, still pretty disconnected between midfield and attack, still leaving bright young players like Daniel Steins and Giordano Colley, who I think have shown, shown a lot in limited minutes on the bench. I just don't think that Terry McFlynn, who is in charge of the recruitment over there, and, uh, of course, Richard Garcia, have done anything to justify keeping their jobs next season. This Because uh, we we said it from the outset now in our previews here that clearly the squad is completely unbalanced. And I, I also don't think Richard Garcia has made more out of this squad than the, uh, I guess, the disassembled parts. So it's it's been a double whammy, and you know, for all the money that Tony Sage has, has wasted this year on the team staying in uh, the East Coast for most of it, and and the failed Daniel Sturridge move, I don't think it was ever going to work. It's not. I mean, it's not, and they're not going to get fans back too. The way they're playing, I mean, they're they're till mid April. The only away game they've got is against Wellington Phoenix, which will probably be in Perth, given mm. the state Wellington's in at the moment. So. It's it's hard for them that they can't get they won't get storage on the park so they're not going to get the theatre goers that we talked about mm. through the gates either so they're in a lot of trouble and I don't think they'll I don't think uh, McFlynn or Garcia will, will lose their jobs before the season ends but this is going to be an interesting uh, interesting meeting when they assess this mm. season isn't it you know they they can probably justify COVID this and COVID that and lockdowns and East Coast stuff but you know. Proof's in the pudding now. You've got, you've got five or six games in Perth to get it right. At least do something, show something. Yeah, it's it's sad because, you know, this should have been a glorious feel-good story homecoming and yet they can't put the performances on the park to, to get the crowds back uh, like we saw in, in round one with Sturridge, of course, playing a few minutes. Uh, but one more game to hit before we have to go. Adelaide United 2, Newcastle Jets 1 is the game I'm going to plumb for because yet again Adelaide managed to pinch three points in the final moments. Mo Toure, maybe he gets a call up too. We get a look in for Mo. So um, good week for the Toure brothers. Al yeah. Hassan getting an assist with his shoe off, and, yeah, the bootless, uh, and Mo bootless getting one a goal. MacArthur. It was um, both of those goals were mentioned that uh, Craig Goodwin provided the assist. So George Blackwood scored the first one, and then celebrated with the uh, the Shane Warne tribute with a with a leg spinner with a with, with this, which with is great. But yep. with that height, Blackwood's got to be bowling at least medium pace. It, did, it didn't turn much. You're right. It, did, <laughs> it didn't turn much. Um, More yeah. cricket references in this last segment than I was expecting. <laughs> well, you, yeah. Um, so Adelaide, twelve goals in the last fifteen minutes they've scored for this season. They've scored mm. twenty-seven for the season, and twelve of those in the last fifteen minutes they have pinched points nonstop. And I think it's Carl Viet just using his bench with the sparks. He's he's finding off it. They've generally been. The young kids of Adelaide United that have come off, provide that spark and just back themselves and score goals. I couldn't believe it when I looked at the table the other week and I saw they were third. It just doesn't feel they don't feel like third place quality, but they keep winning. They keep somehow. Yeah, like they've only lost four times. Seven wins, six draws, right? And then they've they've pinched those points back. They've done they've done very very well. Um, Yeah, they'll be thereabouts come finals time. They get a home final, you know, their support there at Cooper Stadium. They're 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 a shout, you know. 
yeah, I mean, it's bewildered me, but uh, they're somehow making it work. And, you know, as you said, they've got some good young talents coming through that, that do provide sort of spark you need in the final 15 minutes. So Absolutely. that's the time to tune into an Adelaide you know, United game. You can the skip the first minutes, 75. Yeah. Final 15 is, is box office. Don't think Paramount can let you skip through to the last 10 minutes. <laughs> we'll work on that for next season. <laughs> All right. We're going to go here on the Oz Football Hour. Stick around for Radio Dub. We've got Alex Chidiak in studio and Caitlin Torpy joining us as well for a big Melbourne Derby preliminary final preview. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley. It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Yeah. Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it. Unbelievable kick. Come on here.